Welcome to another edition of What About Bob? I am your host, Bob Ryanerson. And today we are going to talk about Joe Biden and gas, and I don't mean his flatulence. Rather, we are going to talk about his plan to ease the cost for everyday Americans so they can afford to go to work, drive to pick up their kids, and go on vacation. We will also talk about the socialist future uh, and how it's being revealed to each and every American. So again, stay tuned uh, for this new edition of What About Bob? All right, this is Bob Reinerson. I'm sitting back in front of my computer screen. I've got a cocktail and a snack, and I'm ready and loaded for bear. So let's get going. And we're going to start out today. Uh, we're going to talk a, a bit about uh, Joe Biden's plan. As I said to the intro, gas plan. Um, we will. I promise you, we'll make no. Uh, uh, hints or talks about his uh, failure to be able to control his gas. But unfortunately, he also has a lousy plan, I believe, for where he wants to take us. And uh, let's start with a headline from uh, Breitbart, which reads, Oil prices soar as market rejects Biden administration's strategic reserve ploy. So it goes on to say, thus oil prices rose above $82 a barrel on Tuesday morning after the Biden administration announced the U.S. and other nations would release tens of millions of barrels of oil from reserves in a ploy to lower prices. The U.S. reserves, however, can only be released at a maximum pace of 4.4 million barrels a day, according to the Congressional Research Service, due to pipeline and marine terminal constraints. The piece goes on to talk about total global consumption runs at about 100 million barrels a day. Oil industry experts say the reserve release will likely not put significant downward pressure on prices. Well, isn't that special? Doing little to relieve price pressures created by union investment in U.S. production in the face of political pressure from climate activists. Some oil traders say the release is largely symbolic because the U.S. had already planned uh, on selling oil from the reserves as part of deficit reduction, which had been authorized by Congress in legislation earlier this year. So once again, people, another smoke and mirrors facade. Now, I know that most of you are very aware of what has all led up to this. But of course, we never would have been in this position if it hadn't been for Sleepy Joe fulfilling one of his promises he had made to the Marxist environmental special interest in order to get elected and get their money. And that is that America would never again be in a position of being energy independent. And as you will recall, closing down the Keystone Pipeline on the first day Biden called the White House home, and then shutting down fracking and drilling on federal lands. Of course, then after he shut off all of what pre the President Trump had done so that we no longer had to depend on other countries. And he began receiving the dire forecast of how high guy gas prices were increasing and how, how hard increased winter costs were going to hit the average American homeowner. 
Then Joe Boy groveled to OPEC, begging for them to increase their production. And of course, they turned him down flat. And during all of this, oblivious to the colonial pipeline, which runs down Canada and into Michigan, which essentially provides the Midwest with energy, Biden has also hatched a plan, though they have not enacted upon it yet, and perhaps that's because even members of his own party were lashing out, telling him that he just can't do that. But nevertheless, nothing, nothing seemed to make sense to us, but it certainly makes sense, I guess, to him and his cronies, or I should say his puppeteers, his handlers, as to, you know, we can, Americans can and can suffer at the gas pump. Their bank ca- accounts can suffer as long as we please the radical environmentalist. And of course, if you have ever lived through a Midwestern winter, which I live, of course, in Midwestern, Midwest, then you can appreciate what kind of increase in fuel oil prices that fuel oil prices might be. Now, of course, Joe and his leaders cronies don't have to worry about that. Now, he might have made the environments who live in Oregon and California happy as they sit on their patios, not needing anything more in energy than what their solar panels can provide. But the windmills that litter the Ohio landscape only provides what a small fraction of needed energy for the surrounding area can produce. But like all other progressive elitists, it is an attitude of let them eat cake. Them, of course, being the middle class, the working stiff, the people who are just trying to get by. I have never liked the idea of depending on another because it just might happen that one day that another is no longer there for you. And I would tend to believe that we are seeing that day with OPEC deciding they're not going to produce more oil. Uh, And so he goes into this bit about they're going to tap in to our, resor- uh, our, our reserves and uh, bring out a bunch of oil. But I, as I listen today to experts on the Cavuto report, it seems that if it has any bit of a relief, it might be 35 cents a gallon, which still won't get us below $3 a gallon. And at $3, and today I think the average price for a gallon of gas was $3.40 a gallon which is still something like $1.35 more than it was just a year ago. And that doesn't seem to bother any of these people, you know? Of course, the rich elitists for the most part. But nevertheless, um, Joe, that's his solution. But that can only last so long. And once he goes through however many millions of gallons that he pulls out of the reserve, then what? We were energy dependent. We have the energy here. And despite what all the uh, radicals would have you believe, we are not going, the world is not going to die off in 12 years, like AOC likes to predict. Uh, The the world is not all at once going to become a, a burning desert all over. Of course, they want to blame everything from the fires, the droughts, hurricanes that have always been with us. I've spoke about this before. Uh, on uh, uh, on the, on the climate, on uh, the, the the warming climate, the change, man-made environmental catastrophes, which is just BS, and I think you know it, and most people know it. They like to say it's 100% agreement amongst scientists. Of course, it's not. It's 100% agreement 
uh, amongst their scientists they pull in, which oftentimes do not have the credentials as the more sane scientists who have spoke out and tried to uh, uh, temper uh, the reactions to all this. Now, um, another well-publicized and hot-button issue has been coal mining. Again, another source of um, valuable energy. But, uh, of course, the, the Marxist libs, progressives, whatever other name they want to go by, they want to shut down all the coal mines. And pretty much Joe Manchin knows he's got to stand up against that as maybe the only Democrat coming from a heavily coal mining state. And each time, uh, you know, a new uh, president assumes office, uh, the coal miners have to hold their breath as to, you know, what's going to happen to their livelihood. And if you recall, Joe Biden's response was along the lines, well, we're going to replace those jobs with well-paying clean energy jobs. Trouble is, those well-paying clean energy jobs are not even on the horizon yet. Um, so they go without. They can go find themselves a job, you know, in a convenience store or whatever, lose their benefits, lose their livelihood. Their families can go to heck. That's Joe's attitude. Makes making He makes plenty of promises to his cohorts, his handlers that he can fulfill. But when it comes to promises to the American people, he falls horribly through the, through the floorboard. He will not, he does not do anything for the American citizen, the average Joe out there, not sleepy Joe, of course. But anyway, which leads, when you talk about coal mining, of course, there's always that, country that comes into play, which all the environmentalists want to scream and shout about our coal mining. But the nation that seems to have us by the gonads right now is China, which relies heavily on coal mining. They are, there's no restraints in there uh, digging into the ground to get the coal out to provide energy, not just for their own means, but for those countries who want to pay the high price for it. And there are countries that do. So whether it's the coal mining or the environment, uh, the, the, you know, high-minded environmentalists here seem to turn a blind eye. Of course, Joe's going to turn a blind eye, which really gets into, um, uh, how should I say, kind of a, uh, a, a dead man's zone is his business dealings through his son, Hunter Biden, with China. And just for an example, Joe or Hunter Biden is still a part of a corporation that has leased or, or given the rights or sold the rights to mining cobalt, which is a very, very uh, uh, rare uh, uh, metal. But it is essential in the makings of batteries that go into these electric cars that our president is just out there promoting now. Uh, and, and, and again, and the way he'll promote it is it's just around the corner. And my God, what is the average price of, a, of an electric car? $100,000 or whatever. It's, it's too expensive for, again, the average Joe to drive as of now. Maybe down the line it will be. 
but that's just it. Uh, Joe's willing to, you know, toss the baby out with the bathwater as long as it, uh, you know, fills his uh, bank book. And, and again, as was kind of revealed today, Joe may well still have an interest in what Hunter's doing since they have joint accounts. Since, of course, as you'll recall, on that computer that so many people want to deny was Hunter's, but he admits it's probably his, and, and an investigation has proven it's his. So it's his, and Joe Biden is listed as, quote, the big guy on that, and was certainly in making monies or was having a say in you know, what was going on with Hunter, which of course countries use Hunter to buy influence. And in this case, it makes it look like he buys influence by Joe uh, reducing America's capability so that China can jump ahead of us. Now, I found a very interesting article that was written by uh, in the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And this editorial was titled, Energy Conversion reveals U.S. vulnerability. And I think it's, I think it's very important now. Uh, and so what this article reveals and, and how we need to see how our democratic politicians are proceeding. Now, the article goes on. It doesn't have a person who penned this, but just from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. But I want to read it. As the United States tries to wean itself from fossil fuels and rebuild its infrastructure to make electric car usage more feasible, policymakers need to ask whether the nation is prepared for a risky trade-off tying Americans to dependence on yet another foreign source of energy. The electricity powering these vehicles is generated entirely at home, but electric cars are useless without batteries and one nation completely dominates the battery market, that being China. That's the same nation the United States is accused repeatedly of spying on U.S. manufacturers, stealing U.S. trade secrets, and unfairly subsidizing Chinese companies. The same country that is steadily seizing chunks of the South China Sea and harassing ships and fishing boats from other nations, prompting the United States to step up naval patrols in response. It is the same country whose growing military might an ability to deliver intercontinental ballistic missiles has prompted the United States to sign a $66 billion deal to supply Australia with nuclear submarines. The same country, currently harassing Taiwan and shown in recent satellite imagery, constructing mock U.S. warships in a desert to be used by Chinese aircraft for target practice. There is little doubt China is gearing up for a potential confrontation with, with the United States on every commercial, military, and strategic level. In other words, China's not sitting there twiddling their thumbs, folks. The piece goes on to say the West cannot afford to be dependent on a nation that has potentially hostile intentions while it is also controls the single component that makes America's conversion to electric cars and trucks viable. According to production statistics compiled by Bloomberg, Excuse me. China ranks first in the world in the mining of raw materials to make electric vehicle batteries, lithium, nickel, manganese, graphite, and cobalt, whereas by the United States ranks 11th. China is first in battery manufacturing. The United States ranks fourth. It is second behind China in demand for batteries. 
China has among the lowest environmental standards for battery manufacturing, meaning it is less hindered by costly regulations from polluting the air and water in its quest to maintain global market domination. The United States learned the hard way after the 1973 Middle East War when Arab members of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, called a boycott to punish the United States for supporting Israel. When political and military interests intersect with access to a crucial commodity, national security cannot help be compromised. The Soviet Union emerged one of the primary beneficiaries with ongoing access to cheap oil as U.S. pump prices doubled and cars lined up for blocks outside of gas stations. Many of the millennials won't remember those days. I do. Today's arch rival is China at a time when Americans are working hard to cut greenhouse gases by converting to electric cars. Since there is no such thing as a strategic petroleum reserve for batteries, the United States must enter this new era better prepared by diversifying its access to battery material and boosting domestic manufacturing expertise because dependence on China is not an option. So there you go, folks. I mean, that pretty much puts it in a nutshell. And don't you find it interesting that Joe Biden should push electric cars at the same time? I mean, is it not obvious when his son has set up and made millions of dollars from the Chinese government, whereas by we are granting them uh, the rights to mine cobalt without any, without any connection to the United States, without any owing to the United States. And in the meantime, our car lots sit almost empty because of, of, of rows and rows and rows of brand new vehicles that are sitting in empty lots because they don't have the computer chip it takes. Well, and guess who makes the computer chips that they're all waiting to get? Of course, China. So, I mean, people, we have got to wake up here, not just about who and what China's intentions are. No, no, not just about them. We need to open up our eyes to who's leading this country. We have to open up our eyes to <coughs> the Democratic Party and these people who are intent on protecting China, on giving cover to their making billions of money. I mean, another reminder, Eric Swalwell, the, that, that congressman who was caught sleeping with, what's her name, Fang Fang? I bet that was a name for some adventures, but who was a Chinese agent, and yet he, Nancy Pelosi insists on keeping him on the House Foreign Intelligence Committee? People, I mean, if you can't see the forest for the trees, then you really need to open up your eyes, because China is having us for lunch right now. It's about time we make it so we become a little bit hard to swallow. It is time to raise our voices. It's time for us to fight back. Well, I want to switch gears here. <clears throat> I 
little bit. <clears throat> I do want to touch. Um, I'm going to start on a, a little different subject, and I want to start by uh, just making a comment on the Wakesha, Wakosha, however you pronounce Wisconsin, the Christmas parade attack, where this guy, Daryl Brooks, is now being charged with five homicide counts. I do see that his bail is uh, quite a bit higher than his last bail, which was $1,000. It's uh, $5 million now. You know, and that thousand dollars and the five hundred dollar bonds that people were croaking about, people forget that in most places you only have to come up with ten percent of that to get bailed out. Ten percent. So ten percent of a thousand dollars, whoop de doo, that's only a hundred dollars. I mean, you can get that by collecting enough aluminum cans and turning them in. Come on. And I and and and, and people are now talking about these bail options that are out there that the socialists have pushed. And, and, and I, I can see that some other uh, criminal justice professionals have, have seen worth in it, uh, simply, uh, especially from those locations where j- jails are overcrowded and all that. And I certainly see it, and just as a refresher here for you, for uh, 17 years, I worked in the Indiana Department of Corrections Juvenile Division with juvenile delinquents. And then I worked for Fort Wayne Community Schools, a lot of it having to do with at-risk kids situations, things like that. I was on the streets a lot, dealt a- around a lot of criminals, uh, young criminals, albeit, even though I would often have to deal with adults who were criminals themselves or may or may not have been associated with the kids I was working with. But after I left that position with the schools, I got a job, I retired, but I got a position, a part-time position, a few hours each morning working in the courts as a bailiff. And I get to see, one, I get to see a lot of these guys who are even in their 50s who remember me when I worked with them as teenagers, which tells you how long I was at it. But I see these bail options uh, working in our courts all the time. And if you think that what's happening in Wakosha, Wakasha, whatever, uh, is unique, well, you're wrong. It's Again, it's happening all over. Uh, you see a case where uh, a, a guy kills his infant daughter, comes in before court. They know a murder charge is going to come. They, the judge certainly has uh, the ability to, to raise a, a bond, you know, higher. I think he was only reacting to the criminal, mis- or excuse me, the the domestic violence charge that was facing him, but he set the bond at, if I recall correctly, it was uh, 5,000, even though it was, there was the killing of a child that was involved. So the guy was able to get out on $500 and it was less than just a few hours later that the, the, a warrant was issued for him for a murder charge. And when the police caught up to him pretty quickly, I might add, thanks to the efforts of our police department, the guy already had a, a loaded handgun on him. Then I saw another case of a domestic, you know, situation where a guy had uh, uh, attacked his, he had already been on notice because he attacked his girlfriend before, beat her. Uh, but he got, I think he got locked up for that. He comes back out. It's all, you know, uh, in the record as they're reading and the judge gives him an OR, but on the most recent case, he attacks the girlfriend again, hits her upside the head, pistol whipped her, kicked her in the stomach, which she happened to be, I believe, if my memory serves right, three months pregnant, and threatens to kill her. And yet, 
He gets OR'd. OR meaning own recognizance, meaning he never had to pay a dime to get out. And if you think that a protective order is going to keep him from going through that like water, if he wants to get at her again, you're wrong. We see that constantly where protective orders are ignored. But for some reason, it must give our judges a sense of security to believe that that uh, they can issue a protective order and they've done their jobs and they can uh, wash their hands of it. Now, anyway, with that being said, that whole bond project, and as people have noted, uh, he drives into a crowd killing five people. Most of the dead, well, I think all of the dead are in their, were in their elderly years or old senior years. And of the 40 who were injured, the vast number of them, including numerous ones that are in critical condition and in ICUs, are uh, children. So um, this guy had 50 pages, as I understand, 50 pages of of a criminal record. Plus, there were, as I understand, there were two warrants issued for him out of Nevada, one for uh, sex with a minor, which impregnated her. And then he uh, uh, he absconded, broke probation. And of course, back here, what was one of his last charges was he must have liked the car as a weapon. Maybe he felt it was safer than carrying a gun, which he did have in his past as well. But he drove over his girlfriend, leaving tire marks on her. What a guy. So, anyway, uh, maybe he won't get out now. I can rest, I'll tell you though, of course, he won't get the death penalty because nobody wants to touch that because, you know, everybody's too, uh, too intimidated by the ACLU and all that stuff. And yet we'll spend easily many more millions of dollars than it takes to put a guy to death to reward the illegal immigrants that are coming into our country. But nah, that's okay. You know, he can kill all those people and he'll be right back in jail, which he already, believe me, since he's had a criminal record that's been steady since 1999, he knows how to survive in a jail setting. He will get along just fine. It will be no big deal to him. Believe me, it'll be more of a big deal to the activists who are trying to spring him. So anyway, the reason I bring that up, because that bail, that bond project, quite frankly, is should offer you a glimpse in the way of the socialist future that faces us if we do not make changes in Washington. I do not believe in a one-party system. I do. I I wouldn't want a solo so-called Republican Party no more than I want a solo Democratic Party. I want multiple parties. Maybe we should have even more parties. Maybe we should have, you know, seven to ten parties, and each one can have a different uh, set of platforms that they can run on. But as it stands right now, the choice is between the Republican and them and the Democratic Party. And off the side, you got the Green Party, but. That's just, that's even more radicals. But the Democratic Party, the progressive, the liberals, the Marxists, the socialists that now make up under that banner with a jackass as their chosen symbol. If you haven't looked at what's happened under the reign so far of of Joe Biden, 
And if you cannot see this is where our country's heading, and if you can't see that it only spells out trouble for not just us, but for our future generations that come after us. I mean, let's start. I mean, where do you start? The open borders. The open borders, aliens coming in unchecked. Uh, we pay for our tax dollars go to supply everything for, you know, uh, 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 medical to schooling, to housing. We pay for all that. Now the Biden administration wants to pay each of them $450,000, uh, for trauma coming over the border. My God, they were breaking the law in the start to start with, but that's another one. Breaking the law doesn't really mean much when you have democratic, uh, prosecuting attorneys in various locations, usually liberal-run cities, who are setting criminals free, like the Daryl Brooks in Wisconsin. Uh, you have, you know, the again, the back to the illegal immigration, the guy who kills the young girl, she's walking along the San Francisco Wharf with her father and then gets off, is found not guilty, or is released for time served. Uh, to the criminals who drive without licenses, who you know, don't want to learn the English language, but that's okay. But if they were good people, you could, you could get along with that. But the, you know, the people who have licenses made up and then from there you have New York city now that's just approved for non-citizens to be able to vote in the local elections after, after only having to be in the, or after only being in this country for 30 days, that's the qualifying factor. And New York City politicians voted for this? Well, then, go into the COVID response. Well, Bob, that's a serious disease, a pandemic. Yeah, but the mandates. <coughs> I have a relative. He doesn't want to get the, uh, the uh, 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 vaccination. And he'll tell you outright, he has no problem with vaccinations per se. But this idea of forcing them upon you before they've maybe in his mind thoroughly been tested, that's crazy. You understand that when the government can force something like what you put into your body, what else will it be? Well, we follow along the path. Well, you've got plenty of environmentalists and, and population concerned people that think we have too many people in this country as is. What's to stop a politician just like what Joe Biden and his cronies have done? From saying, okay, now you're going to follow along the path of what China followed, and you could only have one child, maybe two children if you're lucky, you know. Or, or maybe we will just simply open up a line saying that you can have, you know, every state has to have an abortion, has to open up its abortion clinics so that anybody right up until a minute before birth can go ahead and have that abortion, live birth abortions. I mean, in other words, the idea of the government telling you what you can do, and for God's sakes, you want someone like Joe Biden, who has screwed up everything so far, telling you what to do? Now, what vehicles you want to drive, just like what we just talked about earlier, about the electric cars, you know? Maybe you can't drive SUVs. You can't have a pickup truck. You can't, I mean, believe me, it's open to anything. And, of course, we talked about, uh, about the bail stuff. And then now... You got the squad and, and some others who want to shut down federal prisons. Shut down federal prisons? Are you kidding me? I mean, do you know where many of the most notorious killers and murderers are? And then I heard that uh, the one squad member that comes out of Michigan, 
Um, no, no, I, no, I can't remember. But anyway, she sat there and talked about how, uh, well, talking to the interviewer, well, do you understand that many people have special needs concerns? Well, they, they may all have special needs concerns. What does that do to make them any less dangerous? Hey, I'm all for, I'm all for opening up state hospitals again. We closed them down here in Indiana so that the people with extensive special needs concerns had a place to go instead of just on the streets. But with that being said, but what about the special needs person who rapes, who kills, and believe me, they are dangerous. I could care less about what their special needs are. My special need is, as long and along, I think, with most Americans, their special need is they want to be safe. This idea about attacking parents, parents, uh, school boards should run the curriculums, uh, educators should run the curriculums, parents should have no say. That's what Joe Biden has been has become very adept by in his administration is bullying the common man. The parents who want to have a say in their children's life should have a say. They're responsible for them until they're not, meaning then you've got, once again, the abortion, the pro-life people pushing legislations in all states that girls can have an abortion whenever they want to without their parents' permission. And then you have setting social justice standards, you know, in other words, equity. The idea that, well, there's too many male blacks locked up in prison. Okay. Let me ask you this. What did they do? Did, Did they actually commit an act or acts that deserved for them to be locked up in prison? And for God's sakes, how many Daryl Brooks are running out there that are not locked up in prison, but should have been in prison a long time ago with the key locked away. And then, you know, you've got the indoctrination that once again, that leads into, you know, handcuffing the hands of parents to the idea that the government is going to be able to say what your child learns, which means introducing them to all sorts of, of lifestyles, including sexuals, trans politics that's on the horizon now, allowing boys who decide they're girls to become, uh, to compete in athletic events, and we should honor them. I mean, what happened to the feminists on this issue? And then taking away the guns, of course, when you got Beto O'Rourke, who, believe me, he may not beat Matthew McConaughey in Texas, and hopefully neither one of them would beat Greg Abbott. I think he's a fantastic governor. This idea that, you know, but there's still a sizable uh, backing he has for jumping onto that bandwagon, taking guns away, you know? So that is what lies ahead. And we are seeing it in progress right now. We might have one chance to stop it, but if we do not stop, if we do not stop in the next election and it allows to gain all the more traction, it will be nearly impossible for us to change the direction of this country. I hope, I hope you grasp that. I mean, that one generation that can show that we can lose our freedoms, as Ronald Reagan spoke of many years ago, it's upon us, people. We are in the middle of that generation, and we had better stop them. We, I don't care if it's our children. I don't care if it's our neighbors. You know, I hope we get along. I hope that we can find peace. I hope that we can come to, you know, diplomatic resolution. We've got to. I mean, my God, if we're going to be a civilized country, then we have to act civilized. But I'm sorry. 
right now when you've got black militia groups, everybody can talk about the Proud Boys and all that, but standing outside a courtroom uh, to make sure that the right verdict is served because they're threatening that there's going to be violence. Now, I don't care if you're black or white or anything. When it comes down to that, that's got to end. That's got to stop. Police need to be funded. There, that, of course, that's another one I didn't talk about, is taking away the foundations from our criminal justice system to protect us. Maybe, maybe that stands higher than all the rest. But this is what the current Democratic Party represents. And if you look down the road, if we keep on following them, you will find that that road is going to lead us directly into purgatory. Well, that's just about it for this edition of What About Bob? If you listen in, I'm very appreciative. Uh, Of course, this Thursday is Thanksgiving. And I would just like to end on a private note. Last February 8th, I lost my wife to ovarian cancer. My wife, Bonnie, was a wonderful, wonderful woman. She raised a great family. She kicked my ass when I needed it most. For the most part, kept me focused. And I miss her greatly. But anybody who's lost a spouse will tell you, has told me, that getting through the first year is very difficult. And for Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, you know, my wife was all about the family, all about the planning, all about making sure everything was right. And it's pretty, it's pretty tough, you know, but what do I have to be thankful for? I have, I have to be thankful for ever having her in my life and um, we'll give thanks to God for that this Thursday so from Bob Rainierson here on this November 23rd 2021 I bid all of you a happy Thanksgiving and a fond farewell be safe take care